Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And today, I wanted to hyper-focus on a couple of topics that are intertwined, that being the debut and overall ball player of Hunter Goodman. I want to talk about that quite a bit. And then also the DH role, what it is right now, what it's been for the Rockies this season, what it might mean for them moving forward, especially uh, you know going into next season. So let's do a lot of the fun stuff first. How about Hunter Goodman? Uh, basically, the difference in the ball game and the team's only win in the last two weeks, <laughs> it feels like, right? You, you've got this uh, really tough stretch of games where they kept blowing it and they blew that one. And almost lost it anyway. But Hunter Goodman, not only does he get the key go-ahead base hit, but makes a pretty fantastic defensive play to end that game. Everybody out there who's listening to this has heard the broadcast and radio and everybody else talk about that game and all those specific things. But I think it's really interesting, particularly to note what Bud Black had to say about him the next day and the way Buddy really honed in on that first at-bat where he made an out, where he made the deep fly out to center field and just what a good at bat it was right we talk a lot of times especially with young players about separating results from process and that can mean either way sometimes a guy is having good results through a not particularly great or sustainable process which we've seen before and i I don't like always picking on these players but they're kind of going to be relevant to the topic today right as we try to figure out where some of these young players land Uh, When we've talked about Joshua Fuentes or Sam Hilliard, I used to think of this as the Kyle Parker rule, talking about this with some friends on Twitter the other day. And there are these players who have really great numbers in the minors and even for small sample size stretches can have pretty good numbers in the majors, which applied to all the guys I just mentioned, though I'm trying to remember if Kyle Parker ever even had that that month or two where he was good in the majors, right? But there are a lot of these guys. It's one of the sort of harsh realities of the game of baseball. Winton Bernard last year is another really good example of a guy who had Connor Joe is another really interesting one, right? You can compete at that level for a little while. Sustainability and consistency are the hardest things to find in this sport. Even superstar players in the game of baseball and thinking of your own team think of nolan arenado could be streaky at times he had some bad months on his career carlos gonzalez probably the streakiest hitter of the last 15 years you could also easily call a superstar right Uh, we're watching it this year with well really through his entire career with ryan mcmahon while the overall batting hasn't gotten to that star level talent he's been can I say consistently inconsistent, right? He's now that we have a big enough sample size with Ryan McMahon, we know that during the course of a season, he's going to have some months where he's one of the hotter hitters in baseball. And he's going to have some months where he's one of the colder hitters in baseball. And because of the way his defense plays, he comes out to an above average ball player, even if the offense is now sort of consistently sitting around league average, right? That's what you have to learn over the course of a player for two or three years. And guys like Brendan Rodgers and Ryan McMahon, who've been around for that amount of time and have proven certain things, the elite level defense is there, right? But we're still looking for if they are just the hitter they're going to be, right? Even with all of that, 
So here we look at Hunter Goodman, who has eight plate appearances at the major league level. And I see some people, you know, ready to, to dub him the DH of the future and trying to make roster space for him and all of that stuff. Now, I will say there's plenty of good reason to get excited about Hunter Goodman. His numbers throughout the minor leagues are truly and epically fantastic. Just to read his WRC plus numbers year after year, starting in 2021 at the complex league, remembering that 100 is league average, right? 145, 137, 153, then in a small 12 game sample size, very briefly after moving up to double A uh, in 2022, he put up a 74. So that's like the one, again, a 12-game, 47-plate appearance sample size where he moved up to double-A at the end of 2022 and struggled a bit. Not even a ton. A 74 WRC plus isn't, you know, worst hitter in the league type of numbers, but it's low. So he goes back to double-A at the start of this year. Now we're into 2023. He plays 91 games at the double-A level with the Hartford Yard Goats, 400-plate appearances, a WRC plus of 125, 25% above the league average. Batting average, not huge, 239. On-base percentage, pretty solid at 325. That shows you that a guy who is willing to take his pitches, take his walks, and you see that reflected in a 10% walk rate, which is... Uh, comfortably but not it's not an elite walk rate but it's comfortably above the average at 10.3 percent and so you've got a guy who's willing to take his uh plate appearances and he talked to this uh, us about this yesterday too about how it did it took him some time to adjust to that level and then he went through a a bad month this year where he sort of got outside of himself and wasn't doing things the way he knows he's capable of doing but of course and this is probably the one thing you're familiar with at all if if you are familiar with hunter goodman is that the home runs are there. And we all know that, you know, a lot of these numbers can be whatever they're going to be. If the home run total is high enough, you're a valuable hitter. And the guy hit 25 home runs in 91 games, drove in 78, uh, and, you know, slugged 523. And that's how he gets to his 125 WRC plus. And that really was what was turning heads. And he was hot as the surface of the sun when they called him up to AAA. And then importantly, he kept it going, but also importantly, in a small sample size, 15 games at the AAA level, that's two weeks and a day, right? That's David Dahl is one of the only other players I can think of who spent that short an amount of time at AAA before earning his call up. A major difference is that David was a first overall pick, a top 10 pick in the draft. I forgot to mention Hunter Goodman was taken in the fourth round uh, back in 2021, right? So he he doesn't have the kind of prospect. That's that's not super low, but it's not the type of pedigree. You know, he hasn't been on top 100 lists, nothing like that. So we're not looking at a guy who was expected really to do this this year, uh, despite the fact that he had good numbers starting in double A, you know, and, and clearly having some issues to work on from last year. It was not expected he was going to be here. But when you then go to AAA and in 15 games, you hit 371 on base 418 and slug 903. Look, I know it's the PCL, but that's absurd. A 197 WRC plus. So even adjusting for the league, he was 97% better than the league average. Now that does come with... A lower walk rate down at 6%, though when you're hitting nine home runs, I guess you're not you're not, trying to, not looking to walk. Uh, and, and the K rate has remained about the same. So let's go over the K percentages year by year. 
18.9% that first year in the complex league. So 21, you know, at the complex league. Okay, but then the rest of the year is 24%, 28.9%, 25.5%, 24.5%, and this year at AAA, still the 25.4%. So, again, we have one of these where if... And the thing, it's almost, it's not quite this simple, but anything over 25, and you kind of need him to be a 30 home run hitter, right? If he's going to strike out at 26, 27, 30% of the time, then in order to offset that from a value standpoint, you need him getting those extra base hits. You need him slugging over 500, right? Uh, You also need some walks. He has yet to walk the big leagues. We're talking about two games again. You know, but still you see he's basically teetering on the edge of an acceptable strikeout rate for a guy with such big power numbers. Of course, like with all these guys, with Nolan Jones, with Sam Hilliard, with Ryan McMahon, uh, with Lowry's Montero and Michael Tolia, right? You bring that strikeout number down a little bit and you dramatically increase your potential value to the team. If it goes up and up and the the power isn't there or isn't there often enough because you're not making enough contact because big league pitchers just aren't going to throw you the mistake pitches. And oftentimes that's what happens. And, and I will say this. I've seen a limited amount of Hunter Goodman highlights this year. I typically see the highlights of when he's hitting home runs. And I will say he punishes mistakes. And that can be a double-edged sword when you're a young hitter. And I'm very curious to see. I agree with, well, of course, I agree with Bud Black's assessment on this particular because we've seen it throughout. He takes a good at bat and that he showed that steady heartbeat and is, you know, pretty disciplined that when he is offering at pitches, even if he's missing them, they tend to be strikes. And when he's laying off, they tend to be balls or, or edge pitches that probably wasn't good to offer at early in the count anyway so he seems to take a good and mindful at bat like a lot of guys he's looking for that mistake pitch or that pitch that catches just a little bit too much of the zone or the pitch that's right in the spot that he's looking for right his isolated power numbers throughout the minor leagues are just absurd they're some of the best in all of minor league baseball he's kind of up there looking for the extra base hit And if he's willing to take his walk and that translates, you do have a very intriguing candidate at a potential DH spot in the future. I have to say this also about Hunter Goodman. Like I said, most of the uh, video highlights or whatever that I've seen have been of him hitting. All I know about his fielding are from reports and the reports on that are not great. Fangraphs has him rated as a 30 fielder on the 20 to 80 scale. That's pretty low 30 speed there, there's no speed there there there's not a lot of fielding potential there he does play multiple different positions and he does have some experience in history catching but quite frankly if he's not a good catcher i that you don't want to put him back there maybe if he's like your backup guy in a pinch it's one game every couple of weeks that's okay right um, or if he's your DH and backup catcher, that could be kind of interesting so that you're not carrying, you know, the Austin wins or, or whoever, like, but I, I don't think they're on, on a team that has so many remarkable defenders, both on it right now 
and coming up through the system, I don't think you're looking to carve out a defensive spot for Goodman. I think you're looking at primarily a DH who, whenever he plays in the field, is going to be the exception and, and not the rule, right? And so that's just another way in which his bat really has to play. At that point, he can't be a league average hitter. He has to be a well above league average hitter. Well, he, I guess he could be a 110 or a 115 guy, though you, you hope for a little bit more of that out of your DH. But he's going to get some time, you know, until Chris Bryant is back, which is something that I know they're going to try to do just to make sure that he can go out on a good note and, and not have, you know, be entirely rusty. There are all kinds of reasons to want to get him back out there. And I imagine once they do, Bryant will be either DHing, maybe playing a little bit of first base. They talked yesterday about that as well. So let's get into this half of the conversation. Uh, and by the way, just like all these guys, just to make it clear, of course, we're all rooting for Hunter Goodman. He's 23 years old, which is a good age to be at, at a major league debut. That's slightly ahead of the curve. He's got some time here. And I, and I think, again, you never know. If he really does hone it in on the plate, this guy could be... Another great get because, again, it's not somebody who, when we've been talking about prospects who could help, quote, save the team. At the beginning of the year, I wasn't talking about Hunter Goodman at all, right? It was all Zach Veen, Drew Romo, Brenton Doyle, Nolan Jones, Ezekiel Tovar, Michael Tolia, Lauris Montero. There you go, 10, 15 names of guys you thought might compete, that, uh, help, you know, get there this year. Even somebody, an outside guy like Yankel Fernandez, Aaron Schunk. But Hunter Goodman has earned this spot. He's the guy whose bat is playing the most professionally right now. And if that is sustainable, if he is just going to be an extremely professional hitter, and it looks like he's got that in him, you know, the major leagues will humble everybody, but we also got to watch and give him the opportunity. Then that's another thing that this team has that you know really wasn't being counted on or thought of as a big plus for them in these next couple of years. Uh, and so that's that's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. And it looks like he's going to get at least a week or two here as Bryant makes his way back from uh, the finger thing. So what does this mean for the future? Well, w one mistake that I oftentimes see people make is to assume that if your team gets healthy in the offseason, it's going to be healthy next season. You know, this has obviously come up with uh, the reports out there that Charlie Blackman is interested in coming back and the Rockies may be interested in having him, which I'm not at all surprised by on either side, just because Charlie didn't want to go out like this and he still clearly got some, you know, quality in that bat. He's really been hitting well since he came off the IL. And I do think that on a 26-man roster, you can find a place for Charlie Blackman. And I don't buy into this whole notion that it, it's blocking those guys like we talked about at the beginning of the season with a lot of the veterans that they brought in. Now, it did play out this way with Jerks and Profar, but that's on them for following through on, with bad strategy, right? If Profar could have been fine for a lot of the season if he was just playing once a week and coming off the bench, what was frustrating about Profar is that he was taking at-bats away from guys who should have had them, who are all getting them now, but we missed out on an extra month or two, right? But Mike Moustakis was perfect, right? Was absolutely perfect. And so it, it depends on how you actually play it out. 
Charlie Blackman being on the roster and Chris Bryant being on the roster, first of all, are you expecting those guys to play 162 baseball games next season? Because I'm not. Not to go straight to the cynical part of it, but just because you're expecting to have Chris Bryant back and just because it would be really nice if he did. And, and I still think, yes, there's the possibility that he steps into particularly a DH role, take all the other, or if he's first base sometimes, because if you think he's better at first base than a Lauris Montero and you still have Montero on the roster and you want him to DH, or if you've got Hunter Goodman on the roster and you've traded Montero in the offseason because you don't think he's going to get it or because you someone else does think he's going to get it and they're willing to offer you good pitching for him. There's all kinds of scenarios here where it can play out where no one's blocking anybody. And again, it's it's hasty to suggest to 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 assume that Hunter Goodman is going to be the opening day DH and stay there for all of next season, right? There's going to be growing pains probably. I mean, maybe he'll be one of those guys who just takes off and, and never lets it go, but that's the exception. You, you don't count on that. If that happens, that's a good problem to have. You, you have a guy who's hitting the cover off the ball. And I will say that with players like Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle in particular, the organization has shown this year that when a guy displays a particular skill set, they will give them all of the playing time. I mean, how easy would it be to have bailed on Brenton Doyle at any point this season? The guy has some of the worst hitting numbers in all of baseball. But the Rockies rightfully went, and he's a rookie. It was easy to explain sending him down to AAA, need to get him to work on some. Several fans have said to me on Twitter, shouldn't they send this guy down? But I think the Rockies have shown good patience. And, you know, I've been wise in what they think is going to help him grow to get used to hitting at this level and committed to him out there despite his 45 WRC+. Also, the fact that he's been tremendous defensively is a real value. Like, as we've talked about before, should win the gold glove. right? And I believe that the opposite is true. That if Hunter Goodman were to hit as well as Brenton Doyle plays defense, then he's your DH. Then there's no question about it. The results will play out. And if that means that Charlie Blackman becomes a bench player, that's what'll happen. But I do think that you've got to... Pump your brakes on all of that a little bit. And remember that having the options is good. As much as I do think that, yes, the team should build as much as they can around this new group of young players, I absolutely believe that there is value in having veterans like Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant on the roster. Guys who've been there before, especially Bryant has been there before, but Blackman's played in the postseason. He's played in all-star games. He's played in the, he's done the home run derby. You know, he's been, and he's highly, highly respected around the game of baseball. Not to mention, it looks like he can still hit. <laughs> like it really looks like he can still hit. And very few people in the game of baseball have taken better care of their bodies, you know, over the last 10, 20 years than Charlie Blackman. I would not be at all surprised to find him as a plus ball player for whatever team decides to sign him to that one-year deal next year. And I do think it should be the Rockies. How epically strange would it be to see him wearing a different uniform? Not that that's the reason you should do it. You should do it because he adds to your clubhouse and he adds to your lineup on days when he's in there. And if he's not, then you go with the other guys. But they're not so overloaded 
with hitting talent on a team that's, you know, again, I see a lot of potential here, but it's potential. They still have to start fulfilling that before you start getting rid of guys to give them, you know, especially guys like that. Get rid of the, the Profars, sure. Get rid of the Moustakases and the and, and then, you know, trading guys you can get something for. But Charlie Blackman, in my view, still has value to the team to come back next year. And I don't think that he necessarily would be blocking whether it's Hunter Goodman or if Zach Veen gets himself healthy and is suddenly on the fast track. Yankiel Fernandez keeps doing what he's been doing in the minors. It's not going to be long before he's around. I've mentioned several other hitters you know, that, that are going to be around. They're going to have options. And having more options, in my mind, is the better go of it. But at DH, you know, really, I mean, you're not blocking anybody. You know who plays DH? Whoever's hitting real good right now who you don't particularly want out there in the field. But the way the Rockies roster is set up for next season, you've got remarkable defenders at every position. And so I don't think you either want to start forcing, say, Goodman or, or Bryant or Bryant could play first, but I don't want him playing anywhere else. And frankly, Blackman shouldn't be playing in the field. It's fine at the end of this year. Let him get a little more right field. I'm fine with that. But again, by next year, that's a once a month proposition if you need it because you don't want to make a roster move if someone's gone on the IL. But remember, people go on the IL. <laughs> We're Rockies fans, dude. We know. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now and you sat through this season, you just heard me say that. You're like, <laughs> come on, man. We know. But, but that, that is the thing. It's like, I think sometimes, again, when, when we look at the offseason, then we look at the whole roster and we go, well, well, with everyone healthy, there's not room for all of these guys to play. Someone who, by the way, has gotten totally lost in this entire conversation, who I still think has an interesting potential future for this team as hitter guy with some defensive utility, but not much, Sean Bouchard. They have a lot of these guys, right? The question for me really is just, Who's going to play first base? Who's on first, I guess, is the question, right? Who's on first? Sounds like sounds like something. Hmm, might be from something. I should write an article. Um, if Chris Bryant is your best defender at first baseman when he's healthy, at first baseman, at first base when he's healthy, he's your first baseman, and DH is basically a wide-open competition between all of these young guys. If you're not super excited or comfortable, or you actually think that Montero is taking the big enough steps forward, he's still on the road. Maybe the team's come around on him more than I realized. And okay, that's our first baseman. Okay, well, then it's a competition at DH between Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, and all the other young guys, which, yeah, the veterans will win out on early in the season. You know they will. But did they not just prove to you that if Hunter Goodman is smashing nine home runs in 15 games that they'll call him up? They'll call you up. You do that and they will call you up. You get the call. <laughs> if you continue to do that, and you can ask Nolan Jones about this, then you stay on the roster. So I, for one, have been highly encouraged by the way they've handled the entire youth movement outside of the Jerickson Profar situation which was very frustrating. Outside of that, very good stuff from them this year. So again, I don't have this overwhelming concern that if Charlie Blackman comes back, it's because the Rockies are intent on blocking all of the young players. Hunter Goodman's presence on the roster right now should prove that that's not where their mindset is at. Of course, we should move forward with some, you know, 
skepticism and definitely I'll just like I did this year with the Profar stuff, hold their feet to the fire or criticize, whatever that means. I've never understood that phrase entirely in this job, but I will criticize them for having done, in my view, the wrong thing if they bring back all of these veterans and they truly do end up burying, uh, you know, guys like Goodman if they're still hitting well or, or Fernandez or Shunk or any of them, right? But for now, let's not put the cart before the horse and let's try to recognize that more good baseball players is a good thing. And really, ultimately, none of that's going to matter if they don't get the starting pitching right. <laughs> you got to, like, for me, it's all just like, yeah, sure, sign Charlie on a one year whatever deal. And as long as that doesn't stop you from doing something about this starting pitching, because it's in shambles. Actually, right now, I, I say that as over the last three or four weeks, they've been the best they've been all year. There's been some positive signs, and this will be the next podcast out of Austin Gomber and Peter Lambert in particular. Well, Ty Block's been phenomenal. I don't know if that's a good sign. Again, this is the, the next conversation. I'm doing the next podcast on this podcast. Oh, no. Uh, there's something to look at with what they've been doing lately, but also they just need a ton of resources to go into improving their starting pitching. And if they want to compete next year, if they really do believe that around this position player group, they can compete immediately. And I don't think that's completely bananas. I really don't. It's a long shot for sure, but I don't think it's insane. But it is if they don't make several impactful starting pitching moves. Even with the improvements that I'm going to talk about on the next show, that has to be priority one, two, and three if you're trying to compete next season. Which they always say that they are, but we'll see. They, they said that this year, and it was clearly a rebuild. It always was, regardless of what they said publicly. This is what a rebuild looks like. It's what it feels like. It's what it looks like when it's well executed. Minus Jerks and Profar. No, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but, all right, let's see what happens now. Thanks for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel where we're doing a whole lot of fun stuff, especially if you like Rocky's history and just kind of remembering fun and interesting notes from Rocky's past. I really hope you will go and subscribe to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.